Welcome to episode 129 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Michelle. She used the donation button on our website. Thank you, Michelle, for your generous contribution. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with a seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Have you heard somebody say, I'm grateful for my alcoholic? What did this sound like to you? Were you able to even conceive of the notion? How can we find gratitude for the things that gave us pain in our life? And how do we maintain an attitude of gratitude? Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences as they relate to this topic of gratitude. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer and I'm your host today. The first segment of today's episode of The Recovery Show will be my discussion of this topic, gratitude. Following a short break, I'll talk about my life in recovery, about how I practice these principles in all my affairs. I'll then follow with your email or voice contributions and some brief news about the podcast before closing. I want to start with a reading. This is from our daily reader, Courage to Change. It's from October 30th. When I was a newcomer to Al-Anon, I remember hearing people say that they were grateful to be involved with an alcoholic. Needless to say, I thought they were crazy. Wasn't the alcoholic the cause of all their grief? I couldn't believe that these people had anything to be grateful for. Yet they seemed to be happy despite their problems, which sounded exactly like my own. Today, I find that I am grateful to have found Al-Anon. I, too, needed to hit a kind of bottom, feel the pain, and reach out for help before I could find any lasting happiness. Because of Al-Anon, I have a relationship with a higher power that I never knew existed and friends who give me real support. I've learned that gratitude and forgiveness are necessary to my peace of mind. Now I can truly say that I am a grateful member of Al-Anon. Today, I'm out in the fall sunshine, enjoying uh, a little bit more than gentle breeze, uh, which hopefully won't be too noisy in the microphone, and thinking about gratitude and wondering how how I find gratitude for the painful events in my life that have brought me to be who I am, how I practice gratitude in my daily life, and how that practice of gratitude has changed the way that I am and the way that I live my life. You know, the the hard question really here that I'm coming from that I that I still struggle with is um, finding gratitude, being grateful for my loved one's alcoholism that brought so much pain and suffering into my life. Recognizing that I am grateful for where it has brought me. I'm grateful for the recovery that I have found. I'm grateful for the tools that that recovery has given me to live my life differently, to be not a different person, but to be more the person that I want to be, more the person, more a person that I like who I am than was true before that pain brought me to recovery. And uh, I've heard it said, and I have said myself, that we don't come into recovery on our best day. We don't come into recovery because things are just wonderful. We come into recovery because we're in pain and because we can't find another way out. Usually, for many of us, coming to a 12-step program happens at a bottom, and we talk about that, you know, what was our bottom? 
what what brought us to finally give up to admit our powerlessness and that we needed help and finding that help in recovery so I wouldn't be here I wouldn't be here today I wouldn't be talking to you today uh, without having gone through that pain without having had somebody I loved in my life whose alcoholism was making my life unmanageable it's easy now for me to say I'm grateful for recovery I am grateful for the ways in which my life has grown. I'm grateful for the ways in which my life has changed. I'm grateful for finding this program. But can I take that last step and say, I am grateful that my loved one is an alcoholic because it has brought me all this goodness. It has brought me joy. It has brought me Friendship, it has brought me surcease from suffering. Um, And recognizing, recognizing that some of that suffering would be in my life regardless of the cause. Because, as, as we often say, as we have said, that Pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. And I know that's there's a, a reading about that somewhere in, in one of our Al-Anon daily readers, um, as maybe the quote for today or something, that uh, we bring and I bring suffering on myself. So I need to, maybe I need to separate that. I need to separate the pain of living with active alcoholism from the suffering that I brought on myself. And as I look at you know, my time in the program, as I look at how my life has been, uh, as, as, as I look at you know, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now, I can see that as I came into recovery, as I learned the tools of recovery as I learned to let go of the things that were not mine to carry, my suffering went down. Uh, You know, and that behavior of my alcoholic loved one was not changing in that time period. In fact, it was probably getting uh, more severe. The effect of the alcoholism in her life was getting more severe during the time that my suffering was was decreasing. And I am grateful. I am immensely grateful that I found that I found Al-Anon, that I found a way to not suffer with the pain. That Al-Anon gave me the ability to stay in relationship with my loved one while she struggled with her alcoholism, while she found her own path to sobriety and that I could be there for that event uh, that I could I could stay and so there's a, there's a whole lot of gratitude around recovery there's a whole lot of gratitude um, for what it's brought to me and how can I be grateful for that and curse the events that brought me to it I just I don't think that I don't think that can happen um, I was partly inspired to this topic uh, by, believe it or not, uh, an interview in GQ magazine with Stephen Colbert. And I just got to say, GQ magazine is not the place that I would go if I was looking for spiritual enlightenment. Uh, and I'm grateful, topic of the day, I'm grateful to uh, the minister who gave a sermon that included reference to this article where Stephen Colbert talks about, it's near the end of the article, and I will put a link to the article uh, in the show notes for this episode at therecoveryshow.com slash 129. Um, Near the end of the article, uh, he talks about um, a terrible event that that occurred in his life when he was 10 years old. 
his father and I think two of his brothers were killed in an accident. And this severely affected his life as a, as a young, uh, as a teen and as a young man. And he talks about coming to find gratitude for the worst thing that happened in his life. Um, and, uh, you know, that inspired me to come back and, and look at this, this question again, this question of how do I find gratitude for um, this thing that happened that I don't like? How can I find gratitude for the pain in my life? And there's, there's, I pulled a number of quotes from the article and I think I want to start with this one where he, he begins with a quote from J.R.R. Tolkien who said, What punishments of God are not gifts? And Colbert says, So it would be ungrateful not to take everything with gratitude. It doesn't mean you want it. I can hold both of these ideas in my head. And this is it's sort of like this concept of separating the person from the disease you know, hating the disease of alcoholism hating the effect that that disease has on our loved ones while continuing to love the people and the holding both these ideas in our head i love the person i hate the disease um, i can continue to hold in my head that i was hurt that i did not like what was happening but that it was a gift. It was a gift given to me to find recovery and to change who I am, to fundamentally change the way I live in this world. Um, because I've talked before about the anger that I carried, the rage that built up in me when I was living with active alcoholism, but the truth is that that capability was already in me and that that anger, that, that ragefulness does show up earlier in my life. It shows up in other incidents in my life where I feel that I am losing control, that that things are not going my way and I can I would get I would get angry and I could scream and yell and you know, so that's not something that came as a result of the alcoholism. It's something that was already there, that the alcoholism just turned on, intensified, I think is, is a word there, that, you know, because I was in more or less constant pain and frustration and despair, that, that it intensified that, that character defect that was already in me. And I, maybe I had to get to that bottom. I had to get to that place of hopelessness and powerlessness before... I could find a way to do something different, to be different, to, to learn tools that I didn't have to stuff my anger down until it erupted in a volcano of rage. I'm grateful for that. I am so grateful that I am not that person anymore. I am so grateful that I don't have that anger and that rage in me anymore. Uh, not to say I don't occasionally have a little tantrum, but it's nothing like what it was. And I can recognize that I'm doing it, and I can use some of the tools that I've learned here. I, I have gratitude for what I've found. I have to have gratitude for what brought me here, even while I didn't like it, while I don't like it. Um, you know, And that's what, that's what he's telling us, what, what punishments of God are not gifts. And he says also... Colbert says, it's our choice whether to hate something in our lives or to love every moment of them, even the parts that bring us pain. It's a choice. And, and I just spent um, an hour talking about gratitude with a, a couple of other people um, as part of a, a small group experience at church. And um, we each talked about events in our lives that had brought us pain, but for which which had also brought us growth and for which we could find gratitude for that growth, um, for that, uh, for the healing that had occurred as a result of that, um, for the breaking down of 
old rigidities and the new flexibility that had come into our lives because of these painful events. And, you know, we're a volunteer. We talk about, in the program, we talk about an attitude of gratitude, and that's, you know, that's a choice. I can choose to find gratitude for things, or I can choose to live in the pain. And a story that that I know I've told before here, but that is really, for me, and the reason I tell it, it's it's sort of the prime example of how uh, my attitude, my attitude of gratitude, can affect uh, my entire life. And I was talking to a friend before a meeting uh, one day, and I was complaining about how how terrible things were about. The fact that my wife had relapsed again recently and my friend stopped me and said did anything good happen today? And I stopped and I thought and I said well yes actually it was a beautiful winter's day it was bright and sunny and the snow was all white and sparkly and I really enjoyed that and I got a massage this afternoon and that was wonderful and the rest of my day, I felt completely different. That, that despair, that frustration, that everything is horrible attitude that I had had evaporated by focusing for a moment on the good things that had happened also happened in the day. And this is the attitude of gratitude. This is the, the angle of approach that I take to life. I can, t- I can come at life with an eye towards seeing what is good in my life, or I can come at life with an attitude towards dwelling on all the, the pain. And dwelling on the pain causes suffering. The pain is there. I don't have to add to it by suffering. I don't have to add to it by rehashing over and over what, what could be, what isn't, uh, because I don't have control over most of those could be's and isn'ts. They're in, they're in the hands of a higher power. They're in the hands of other people. So taking that, taking that attitude of gratitude uh, can make my life much more pleasant, can, can make my life more serene, uh, and I think in the long run can make me a healthier person. Because if I'm always fo- focusing on the negative, I'm always feeling down, uh, I'm not going to take care of myself as well. And I think that just that attitude, I think there's evidence that just that attitude can affect, um, you know, affect, affect my health in either positive or negative ways. Um, So I can choose to be grateful, or I can choose to suffer. And as Colbert says at the end of that quote, he says, we are all volunteers. At every moment, we are volunteers. Things are always going to happen in my life that I don't like. Things are always going to happen in my life that are painful in some way or another. And uh, the third thing that, that I pulled that... Um, was actually the the entry point into uh, that article for me was this quote from Colbert about how you succeed at improv. And the quote is, you have to learn to love the bomb. And I think this is something that that his first improv teacher told him. You have to learn to love the bomb. Uh, You have to love it when you fail because that's the only way you will succeed. And... And that, again, this is one of these sort of paradoxical concepts, um, like finding gratitude in pain. But he says, It took me a long time to really understand what that meant. It wasn't laugh it off. No, it means what it says. You've got to learn to love when you're failing. The embracing of that, the discomfort of failing in front of an audience leads you to penetrate through the fear that blinds you. And fear is the mind killer. Love the Dune reference there, by the way. Love the bomb, you know. Love it when things go wrong. Love it that I can let go of the fear. I can let go of the, uh, maybe in, in the case of living with alcoholism, let go of the anger, let go of the frustration, let go of the despair. But the fear, the fear is at the bottom of that for me. You know, why am, I, why am I so angry? 
why was I so angry when my loved one would drink? Because I was afraid that she was going to die from it. I was afraid of what would happen. I was afraid of the things that were out of my control. And anything that can help to relieve me of that fear is going to bring me to some kind of recovery. Learning to love the bomb. And I I don't think I'm there. I really don't think I'm there. I don't think I can love the bomb. So if I have an attitude of gratitude, I need to consciously consider what I am grateful for. And what am I grateful for today? And I made a little list and I'll try to try to add to it. I am grateful that I have a home to live in. I have food to eat. And as I was writing these words this morning, I have energy for light to see, to power my computer, uh, and to uh, keep me comfortable, to keep me warm in the cold weather, and to keep me cool in the hot weather. I'm grateful for these things. Not everybody has these things. But it doesn't really matter whether everybody has these or not for me to be grateful. Um, you know, this is something that makes my life comfortable that, uh, that I have. And I'm grateful for that. What else am I grateful for? I'm grateful that I have a family who loves me and, and who I love. I was uh, reflecting in my earlier conversation today about my one child who, when they were 18, hated us or acted as if they hated us, uh, did not want to be seemingly part of the family, did not want to interact with us. We as parents were worthless human beings who existed maybe only to provide food and shelter and money Um, This child went 2,000 miles away to college, and the whole family, I think, was glad when that happened. Uh, We were happy for the separation. And now, six years later, uh, this child is living 1,000 miles away and wants to come home to our home for the holidays, both Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays this year and the fact that you know that that change that they want to be with us that they're willing to spend their own money on airplane tickets to to be with us for the holidays I am so grateful that we never totally shut down um, the connections between us that we did not totally alienate this child um, to the point where they would still not be talking to us. And I have friends who are in that situation where their 20-something children are still pushing them away because of some anger or something about what happened when they were younger. And I'm, I'm grateful that we are not in that, we are not in that place. Um, I'm grateful that I can continue to deepen my love Um, for my wife after having pushed her away for so long when she was in the throes of her disease. And, uh, you know, I'm grateful that my daughter has chosen to live nearby and to spend time with us at her choice uh, on a regular basis. Those are things that I can be grateful for in my family. I'm grateful that my body is still reasonably healthy. I'm getting older. Uh, I turned 60 this year, and I've got some minor aches and pains, some things that don't work as well as they used to. Right now I'm walking in the woods. I'm walking towards the sun, and I have been told by my eye doctor that I have developing cataracts, and one of the symptoms of that is that Uh, The glare from the sun shining on my eyes uh, basically makes everything around, everything look dark. Uh, When I was earlier uh, walking along the path and some people were coming toward me, all I could see was dark outlines of the people, and not until they spoke did I recognize who it was. So 
I could be, I could complain. I could say, this is horrible. I'm losing my sight. But my sight is still good, except under certain circumstances. I can still enjoy walking in the woods. I can still enjoy the sun shining on my face. I can take that attitude. I can turn it towards the good. You know, I can't I can't move as fast as I used to. I can't run as hard as I used to. I probably can't walk as long as I used to. Uh, my feet might hurt, my back might hurt, my legs might hurt, but I can still do these things and I can be grateful for the ability to do these things. And you know, in that gratitude I can also work on making it possible for me to continue to do these things. You know, if I if I said, oh, I can't, I just can't do this the way I used to. I'm not going to do it at all. Well, you know what? Then I'm really not going to be able to do it because I won't be keeping it in practice. I won't be keeping myself in any kind of shape to continue to do things. That old uh, use it or lose it, I continue. I choose to use it so that I can be grateful that I can still use it to the extent that I can. So, I'm still healthy. I'm still able to do a lot of things. And uh, I may, I may not uh, you know, be doing high-speed downhill skiing anymore. I haven't done that in some number of years. And, and maybe it's time to not do that anymore. But I used to, you know, I, I enjoyed it when I could. I'm grateful that I learned to do it and that I could have that joy. And who knows? We'll see. I haven't had the opportunity recently. Ah, yes, I'm <laughs> I'm grateful for the day. Um, this is the day that I have been given, and I will rejoice and be glad in it, because it is a beautiful day. It's one of those fall days that we get in Michigan, probably in the 50s Fahrenheit. That would be in the teens Celsius. And the sun is shining, the sky is blue, I actually don't see a single cloud right now, which uh, yesterday it was raining, so grateful for that. Still a little bit of fall color here and there. Leaves are off many of the trees, but there's, there's some really bright spots of reds and yellows and oranges that are, that are beautiful and lovely, and, and I can be out here and enjoy it. I'm grateful that I have the time, that I have the place, um, and that it's here for me. I am, I'm the sum of all my experiences. I pretty much like who I am. You know, there's things I would change, and there's always things we would change. Some of those I have control over, some of those I don't. But I'm grateful for everything that brought me to where I am and to who I am. Because I wouldn't be who I am, I wouldn't have what I have without those. I remember... One time I was uh, leading, leading the newcomers meeting at, at one of my Al-Anon meetings and uh, a person who was new in the program was attending and said, do you, do you regret having married an alcoholic? Would you go back and, and change that if you could? And, you know, I had to, I had to stop and think for a minute, obviously. Uh, I'm still struggling with a little bit with that question. I'm struggling with gratitude now, I guess, not with regret. Um, but I said, no. I said, because there's so much good that has come from that. And I would not have the good without the pain. I wouldn't have the children that I have who I love, who are a joy to me, if I hadn't married my wife. I can't go back and change that. I really can't. I, I think I spoke in last week's episode about going back and being with the people that I had been in graduate school with and hearing their stories about what has happened since then, about how some of them took the work that we were doing as graduate students and, and took it into, shall we say, reality, into the commercial world, um, and into some, some measure of success. And, 
and having some moments of regret about, gee, what if I had stayed? What if I hadn't moved on to new things? Um, but again, I wouldn't be where I am now. I wouldn't be who I am now. Uh, when I I came to Michigan to be on the faculty at the University of Michigan, and after three years, the uh, the faculty have uh, told me that uh, they didn't think that I would make a good faculty member and that uh, I should go find something new to do. Uh, and I did. They were very gracious. Uh, it's academic, uh, academic firing. They gave me a year uh, to, uh, to find something new. And I did find something new. And I did that for about five years. And that was working at a, in a research project that had external funding. And the funding went away. And the job went away. And so I had to find a new job. And at each of these points, I was like, well, why me? You know, why is this happening? Why can't I just keep on doing what I was doing? But the sum total of those experiences is that then I found the job that I still have in which I really um, enjoy doing and which I feel is uh, contributing worth to the world. More so, and this is, this is sort of seems ironic perhaps, but more so than I felt I had been doing as... Uh, a university professor. So, where would I be if you know those bad things, those those losing of jobs had not happened, that getting fired, that being told, no, you're not the person we want. You know that was pretty painful at the time. Getting told, you know, your job's going away. You need to find something new. Uh, we were, I think, about one month into. My wife's pregnancy at that point, and it's like, oh, you're having twins, and you're getting fired. Uh, but I think I'm grateful for that. I think that I'm a lot happier now doing what I'm doing. Um, I do miss, certainly, aspects of being a professor, but there are many aspects that I, that I don't love, and I have to recognize that, that I was not the best professor there ever was. Uh, you know, I think I, I did a, a reasonably good job, but I didn't do it well enough, obviously. And uh, I think I'm a lot better at what I do now than, than I was at what I thought I wanted to do. So yes, there was a disappointment, but I think I have gratitude that um, that didn't work out, and it didn't work out fairly quickly. Uh, it would have been harder, I think, to have invested a lot more time and effort into trying to do something that it turns out that was not, maybe not what I was meant to do. So, more gratitude for the failings in my life that, that brought me to a better, a place that, that better suits my abilities, my skills, my way of work. Uh, and, the, and the parts of being a professor that I miss, which was more or less the interaction with the students, I find that in other ways. Uh, and, and in ways that don't require me to evaluate, um, to give grades, which was something I always hated. It's funny how things work out and how they maybe work out better than we had thought they would. And I can find gratitude for those things that at the time seemed like setbacks, seemed like failures. And uh, I want to ask you, what are you grateful for today? And how do you find gratitude for the failures, for the pain in your life? How do you find gifts in as Colbert put it, or as Tolkien put it, how do you find gifts in your punishments? Let us know. I'm going to close with a reminder from that same reading on October 30th from Courage to Change. Today, I will practice gratitude. I will think of some of the things, big or small, for which I am grateful. Maybe I'll even put this list in writing or share it with an Al-Anon friend. 
Sometimes a tiny action can be a great step towards seeing my life with increasing joy. And I'm working on this year's alphabetical gratitude list. I did this uh, two or three years ago at Thanksgiving. Uh, made a list of things I was grateful with, starting with A and ending with Z. And mostly they were about the people in my life that I had gratitude for. Anyway, I'm working on this list, and I will be posting it on the website. Uh, you'll be able to find it there at therecoveryshow.com slash gratitude2015. That's therecoveryshow.com slash gratitude2015. In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery, what's happening in our meetings and our lives this week, and what's happening in my meetings and my life this week, I guess. And it's been actually a couple of weeks. We are reaching the end of our push for a goal at work. We've got one more week to go on that. But while it's been happening, as you know, I've been prioritizing very carefully my life in order to continue to have a life in order to not make myself sick, to take care of myself. And so this weekend, I've been working weekends, or at least Saturdays, uh, during most of the push. And this weekend I had, on Saturday, I was going out with a group from church, uh, including our ninth graders who are in a program this year where they really explore their own spirituality, their own beliefs, um, what religion means to them, how they can be of service to others. And so on Saturday we were doing um, a service project for the city. We ended up painting picnic tables in a city park. And it went very quickly because there were, um, I think, about 15, 16 youth and about that number of adults. And whole bunch of paint rollers and brushes, and and we, we had a pretty good time. It was a little bit cold, a little bit raw, but uh, those those tables looked really nice when we were done with them, and I hope they'll look nice through the next year. Apparently, this is something that the city park staff just doesn't have time to get to on a normal basis, and so uh, we were able to help out, and that always feels good. And I will say that as usual, I was got up in the morning and to be there at 10 o'clock. It's not that early, but it's a Saturday, you know, and I got up and I was like, I don't really want to do this, but I said I would. And so I went and as usual, uh, I had a good time and uh, enjoyed it, enjoyed the enthusiasm of the youth and meeting some of them that I haven't met before. On Saturday this week, it was Halloween, but uh, I had something else to do Saturday evening. I participated by... Uh, Apple FaceTime in an Al-Anon meeting in another state at the invitation of one of the listeners to this podcast. And it was uh, it was an interesting experience. I had never really done that before. And I don't think uh, that meeting had had that uh, experience before. And uh, I got to see the people who were talking. They could see me as I was talking. And, and it felt like a real meeting. I mean, it was a real meeting. What am, what am I saying? It felt like a real meeting. Uh, a little bit less closeness than I get in a face-to-face meeting. But it was good because Saturday morning I was not able to go to my regular meeting because of the the service project. So things worked out pretty well there. And last night, my my Sunday night meeting, the topic was the reading from November 1st, which is about taking time to think before reacting. Um, At least that's the way I heard it. What I I heard was... uh, some of our earlier discussion in this podcast about the Al-Anon pause button, where I don't have to respond right away to something that happens. I can, I can hit that pause button. I can take time to think about what my part is, what I need to respond to, if anything, and then I can come back also having let maybe emotions cool down. One of the people around the table talked about putting herself in a timeout, and I thought that was a perfect, a perfect image if you've ever had children and had to put them in a timeout because they just need to calm down. Sometimes I need that for myself. Other than, other than that, it's been a, a fairly quiet week or so, uh, recovery-wise. 
Uh, but trying to keep a balance, and that is something that I have learned in recovery, is keeping a balance in my life. Some upcoming topics. Uh, we got a topic coming up where uh, responses to June's share from a few episodes ago. If you haven't listened to that yet, uh, if you haven't thought about how you would respond if June opened a meeting with that share, and then sharing it with us, that would be, we'd really appreciate it. And I'm thankful and grateful to those of you who have already sent in your shares. I will be putting that together in the near future. Another topic suggestion was living with lies. And I want to thank those of you who have written in with your thoughts on this topic. I'd love to hear anybody's thoughts on living with lies and, uh, you know, inactive alcoholism or not. Um, How do we respond? How do we deal? How do we keep our serenity when those around us are lying to us? Or maybe when those around us seem to be lying to us because the reality is not always as it seems, I think. So how do you send us feedback? How do you share your experience, strength, and hope in this conversation? Well, you can call and leave a voicemail at 734-707-8795. Call right now if you want, 734-707-8795. We have a voicemail button on the website you can use to join this conversation from your computer. And if you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at com. We'd love to hear from you. Share your experience, strength, and hope, or your questions about today's topic of gratitude or any of our upcoming topics. And if you have a topic you'd like us to talk about, let us know and we'll try to do it. The uh, website, which is com has all the information about the show, including notes for each episode, an occasional blog, and links to the music that we talk about. We've also got some links to other recovery podcasts and websites that we like. You can contribute to the podcast on the website. You can leave comments on the show notes or on the blog topics. We have a list of suggested topics that have not been doing a good job keeping up to date and uh, a list of music suggestions you can look at as well and add to. And if you'd really like to join the conversation, consider being a guest host by phone or Skype or FaceTime or Google Hangout. Email feedback at therecoveryshow.com if you're interested. We got a little bit of mail, both voice and written this week, I want to start with a voicemail from Akila. Hey, Spencer, it's Akila. I just finished listening to the conventions and conferences episode, and I'm calling to talk about that. It was really timely. I just went to my first outline convention um, at the end of September with, um, with in our, our district. They put on a convention every year, so it's annual. Um, it was really interesting. I had a really good time. I would, and I wound up going at the last minute because a friend of mine called and asked for help doing a workshop. And so I actually went and did a workshop and then participated in the convention. I think next time the main thing I would do is to stay on site. I think that that would have added a lot to my experience, especially because I was at the beach and the hotel is always right on the beach. Uh, the other thing that was really cool about the convention is my mother and my daughter went with me, and my mom has been very adamant that she does not want to go to any meetings, and she's not interested in going. But she went to the conference, and she participated. She went to a lot of workshops, and she really got a lot out of it, and she had a good time. And I told her I was planning to go next year, and she said she wants to go. So she will probably still not go to any meetings. I mean, who knows? That may change. But she went to the conference and got a lot out of it. So that's also something that's good if people are thinking about going with someone who may be reluctant to go to a meeting. Um, we have no allocene in our in our um, immediate area, but my daughter went, and she has been spouting Al-Anon back at me. Today she asked me to um, think. She was like, is that thoughtful and helpful? And I was like, yeah, I don't like when you do that, although it's perfectly okay. Um, she, the allocene here is really small, and she wound up, um, coming and hanging out with me and going to workshops with me. And she, I think, got a lot out of those as well. And she had a good time. 
And if she went back, she probably would just hang out with me all day. She's older, though, so she's about to age out of allergies soon. So um, that was my experience with the commission. I had a really good time. I have not been to an AA commission. We also had an LT speaker, an L and speaker, and an AA speaker. There were three speakers the whole weekend as well as the convention little workshops that were done in the breakout room. Uh, look forward to catching up on the rest of the show. You can see I'm a little behind. I was doing audio books for a while. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. And, and thanks, Akila, for that. And it's interesting that our loved ones who maybe resist coming to a meeting could be open to going to a conference. I'll have to have to think about that in relation to uh, some of the people in my life that I think might benefit from, from Al-Anon, but who have resisted it. Maybe it's a less threatening way to get an introduction to what we're about. Rachel wrote with a topic suggestion. She says, Hello, I've been listening to your podcast off and on for quite some time, but this is the first time I've contacted you. I'm not sure if you've already done an episode on this topic yet, but I would love to see one that focused on loved ones who never found recovery before passing away and how we, as Al-Anon members, deal with that. My mom was an addict and she died almost four years ago, never having found consistent recovery from her addiction or mental illness. When she died, we weren't speaking, and I still deal with an immense amount of guilt over that, even though I know rationally that I was holding down those boundaries for my own sanity. I also grieve all the possible moments I never got to spend with a clean parent. My dad is also a functioning alcoholic, and I definitely have a hard time believing he'll ever become sober. I still struggle to let go of the dreams I grew up having, which never came true. I think I would find it very comforting to hear from others in the same boat. Also, thank you for all your hard work on this podcast. I myself deal with mental illness and chronic pain, and I rarely can make it to meetings in person as a result. So your show is a lifeline for me when I'm stuck in bed and need something positive to hold on to. Rachel. And and thank you, Rachel, for that that suggestion. Um, I don't have that experience myself directly. of some relations who died while still in their addiction, but I haven't had to deal with that directly. So I would love to hear from you if you have had this experience of uh, a loved one who never found sobriety before their death and how you as an Al-Anon member in recovery or maybe before recovery and then in recovery, how you have dealt with it, how you have been able to forgive yourself for maybe the boundaries you had to set, as Rachel says, how you have found solace. I don't know, solace is, is what I want here. How you found uh, serenity over this happening and understanding that their life path is what it is and that you can move on. Or whatever other thoughts you might have, please share. 734-707-8795 feedback at com. Love to hear from you. And so would Rachel. Thank you. We had a note from Sarah, a short note about an Al-Anon dream she had. Hi, Spencer. I don't normally dream, but I just woke up from what it was probably an Al-Anon dream that I wanted to share. In the dream, my mother and I were in a crowded airport trying to get to our plane on time. We kept getting into the wrong line because the plane kept changing gates. I felt dumb and frustrated because I could not navigate the airport. We were running, weighed down with all of our luggage. During the breakaway to the last gate, I grabbed Mom's luggage so that she could run easier, but then she stopped running. I didn't notice as I sprinted to the gate. I stood alone, feeling heavy and empty as I watched the plane taxi away. Then I woke up. The obvious interpretation is that I feel well weighed down and held back by baggage from my mother. But as I journaled, other memories popped up. Three hours later, I had drafted an email to my mother expressing unsaid frustrations about emotional abuse from childhood. This was the very first time I penned the word abuse in relation to my life and meant it. I sent my draft email to an Al-Anon friend for review. I don't know if I will ever send it to my mom, but the burden is off my plate and out of my head. Now I hope to go back to sleep. Thanks for everything that you do. It definitely helps me find my way to serenity. 
Sarah. What I love here is that when you had this dream and you woke up, that you actually got up and and journaled about it and f- dug a little deeper and found something that you needed to deal with. And then you dealt with it by writing this letter and not sending it. And sometimes I think we need to express our feelings, our frustrations, our pain from the past, but we don't always need to actually send those to the person who caused it. It's enough to just talk about it. And I certainly have found that in my experience, that that's the power of step five for me, the um, to admit to God, to myself, and to another human being the exact nature of my wrongs, to talk about out loud um, the things that have been secret, maybe even for me until I start talking about them. And just the talking, just the admission, just the naming sometimes is enough. So thank you again, Sarah. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to The Recovery Show, but we do have expenses. They run about $60 a month. You can help support us and keep us on the web and in your ear in a couple of ways. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Michelle did. Thank you again, Michelle. We've also put together a list of recovery-related books if you click on the books link at the top of the page. And if you order one of these books from Amazon through our website, we receive a small commission. In fact, anything you order from Amazon after clicking on one of the links will help us. It costs you nothing extra and helps to keep us on the air. Thank you for your support in whatever form you give it, whether it's recommending the show to a friend or just listening. We're here for you. Thank you for listening and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time.